0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Uh we know that it's June. We know it's the offseason. We know we need to break down every NFL team. Uh we're trying to dive in and take a look uh with, with experts from every NFL team, smart people who know things about them. And to do that today, Tori Petrie of Detroit at sports Tory on Twitter, and I believe a, um, a multi-time guest on this podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. I am honored to be back. Thank you for having me back.
0: What is, uh, what is your sense of, of the, the Detroit Lions are really interesting because I think that they are not, first of all, there is, uh, there's, when you look at, when you think about the Lions, I do think it has been a consistent theme with how people talk about the team that this is a pressure points, uh, season in 2020. Do you feel that that is sort of the belief and the understanding, uh, within the organization as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, anybody on the coaching staff or football side of things would tell you that we have that much pressure on ourselves all the time. We always have that much pressure because we always want to win. But I think from a fan base uh, standpoint and uh, you know, maybe even from some of the comments that have been made from ownership that they really want to see results. They've invested in this uh, program with having Matt Patricia at the helm, Bob Quinn drafting players, and it took a while for them to match up getting the kind of players on the field that those two uh, felt worked well in their system. And it wasn't an overnight thing, but now they've had a couple of years of doing it and they're in year three with Matt Patricia and uh, I think that they're ready to see some results around the city of Detroit. And, um, you know, I know Detroit's always been ready to, to see some success on the football field, but I think particularly under Matt Patricia, uh, they feel like they've gotten uh, some time under their belt to get the players in the system that they want, and it should be time to start seeing that come together.
0: Well, you know, when I, I think that if you polled the average fan and said, what was the Lions record in 2019, they wouldn't tell you it was 312 and 1. Like it felt like, a, I, mean, I mean, like it felt like a better team than, I mean, according to their advanced statistics, and you have a, you have a cat wandering behind you. I know, It's, very, I know. it's adorable. It's very People on
1: the nice. podcast probably can't, uh, see the cat, but you can right. see the cat. He's very inquisitive back here. Uh, this uh, is no. Rory. He's named after the Lions mascot.
0: Oh, nice. That's kind of cool. Um. Yeah. That's awesome. Hi Rory. Uh so yeah, yeah. I mean I think when you look at the team and even by the point differential it was a 6-win team. So they were a very unlucky team and it it I think part of the problem for them too. And by the way, I I we ended up on a uh, like a 10-minute rant all this on the the podcast a few like a maybe a couple of months ago. I didn't realize that Martha Firestone Ford's nickname in college. Do you know what her nickname in college was?
1: I'm not familiar with this. No.
0: Her nickname was Stony in college.
1: Really? Which, I did not know that. Which, you know, me, stone,
0: yeah. yeah, but no, it's exactly it's just a, it's just a playoff Firestone. You know, if you're <laughs> if if, if you're nicknaming like twenty twenty, if you're nicknaming college is Stony, maybe it's for a different reason. But like, yeah, like it was fast. like I was I was floored by it, but like I agree to hear her say the things that she said uh made it very clear that that there is an impetus to win. And I don't think it helps matters for Matt Patricia that Jim Caldwell went nine and seven in back to back seasons uh, on his way out, right?
1: Yeah, definitely, and I, I agree with what you were saying about how a lot of people might not have thought, oh, they three wins last year because there were so many close games. I mean, the Lions nearly beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and, you know, that was a, a big game. They just barely let it slip away there at the end, and, you know, there are no moral victories in football, but you could see how they were right there on the edge of so many of these games, and then, of course, Matthew Stafford getting injured didn't help. Uh, and then having to rely on, on backup quarterbacks who didn't play horribly or anything. You just can't rely on a backup quarterback to carry the team the same way you can Matthew Stafford. And, uh, you know, so I definitely think there, there was uh, a lot of, a lot of good football, but just not good enough football that we saw from the Lions last year. And, And they need to play better. And, you know, Matt, Patricia, has his guys now and and I think that that's where where the expectation stands is that you know this should be the year we see production.
0: Yeah, I mean you look at it and like you know they they won one game after their week week 5 bye and uh, I t- I also think to So they should have beaten the. I mean, honestly, they could. They should have started. They should have started the season five and zero. Yeah,
1: exactly. That should have been a win, but they let that get away from
0: them. They let the Cardinals game get away from them. They let the Chiefs game get away from them. And and look, people lose to the Chiefs all the time, but they had the Chiefs in a position where they could beat them. And then it really felt like that Packers loss on Monday Night Football Mm -hmm. in in Week Six. Just sort of at that point, you fall to two, two, and one. You're like, wait, we could be five and zero. And the, the refs rip it, you know, rip you out. And then they, they, then they lost, they beat the Giants in a close game. Uh, but they, you know, they lost the Raiders by one score, Bears by one score, Cowboys by one score, Redskins by one score, Bears by one score. Uh, and then close it out with the, with the, the Packers by one score. So just this tough, tough stretch of losses. Um, I, I wonder like, cause I think, and I agree with you, Matthew Stafford is healthy. It's a different story. Do you, do you think at this point that he has somehow drifted into a, completely underappreciated player in the NFL?
1: Yeah I think that the injury kind of you know allowed him to get there in people's minds because he was playing at an all pro level before he got hurt. He was amazing in this offense before he got hurt. I mean it was the first year with Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. Those two were clicking. It seemed like Things were working really well. Uh, we were seeing some incredible throws from Matthew, and then he gets hurt, and then all of a sudden the story is, well, Matthew Stafford's always hurt. Mm. Well, so that's, that's not really the case. He was playing very, very well and has, throughout his career, played through a lot of injuries. And, you know, this just happened to be one that, he couldn't. And um, I think he's totally fine now. I don't think that it was a lingering injury. Uh, he says if they were back in the building, he would be back to just doing everything normal at this point. Um, and, and he said that back at, you know, the beginning of all this, when they should have been back in April or so, uh, that he would have been ready to go then. So, you know, I don't think that that is a lingering issue, but I think it has caused people to kind of forget about how well he was playing before he got injured.
0: Yeah. So the, um, I actually did a, I went back to my high school and did like a chapel talk at, at, at like two or three years ago oh, okay. and I, and then I used Matthew Stafford as the principal, uh, it's in the South, et cetera. Like he would do oh, yeah. there, but like I used it as a principal focus. Cause I was like, look, when you, you're going to go through all these different periods, like you're going to leave high school and go through all these different periods of your life. And like sort of made the analogy of Matthew. Cause when Matthew Stafford came out of, uh, out of Georgia as a first overall pick, like, he, he only played in 13 games his first two years. He was considered an injury prone, uh, maybe a potential bust. Then, you know, he, he has like, averages like 690 pass attempts per, you know, per year over three straight years. And it's like, he's this gunslinger who can't get it done. And then he sort of morphed into this efficient player. And now, like, you can almost see it. Like, like last year he was like, it was like all clicking. Like he had completely matured mentally, but he still had the physical tool set to just bomb it down the field. He hadn't missed a game since 2010. Like he's right. not injury prone at all. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely think that this one was a frustrating one in particular because of how long it lasted and because the team just wasn't able to have success uh, without him. And I think that that darkened the opinions of of how bad the injury was because of how much the team struggled without him. Um, but I definitely wouldn't consider Matthew Stafford injury-prone. Yeah. All
0: right, so uh, it was sort of interesting to see I, – I mean, I thought it was anyway. The, the Lions use a second-round pick on DeAndre Swift. And we're talking injury-prone guys. I mean, on Johnson, again, we're, it's two years into somebody's career. You can't say they're de- definitively injury-prone, but he hasn't played a full season yet. And it does feel like Matt Patricia uh, and, and Daryl Bevel want to lean on the run game – to sort of set up these deeper shots is that accurate with how they want to approach it offensively
1: absolutely absolutely and I think that that is why we saw them take a running back so high I mean when we were you know doing all of our our pre-combine and and pre-draft analysis and saying what positions there were of need for the Lions running back wasn't really one of them it wasn't uh you know it was maybe something they uh, address later on in the draft, but it wasn't something that they did right away. And so I think that that was definitely um, something that surprised a lot of people to see them take a running back in round two. But then you look at where they're at and you look at how important it is to establish the run, to be able to set up those big throws from Matthew Stafford. Uh, if you're a one dimensional team, that's less successful for you. And that is something that they want to take advantage of Stafford's skill set. So you have to have a run game to be able to establish that. And um, you're right, on Johnson has not been able to be fully available uh, for either of the seasons that he has been in the league. And so uh, they never really have gone on a, a running back system where it's just one bell cow. They've always had a couple of guys to, to move in and out of there. And so I expect that that's what they'll want to do with Carryon and DeAndre.
0: Okay, uh, so I mean, sort of lighten the load for carry on. Let yeah. him like the, so. The the expectation shouldn't be one of these guys is getting three hundred carries.
1: I don't think so. I think you're still going to see a mix of both of them. I mean. The Lions even rotated guys in and out on the offensive line last year. So mm. I would expect that we see, um, you know, a, some sort of rotation at running back, especially because those two are are very different players, different body types. They bring different skill sets to the table. And so I think that they will uh, put the player in there that fits the play that they want to run.
0: All right. I mean, look, Matthew's a healthy Matthew Stafford and a, and a potent run game. And this team, there's no reason that this team shouldn't. Be uh, a lot more interesting than, than people think on offense. Uh, defensively, though, is, is a big question. And coming, we'll take a quick break. And we come back, we will break down that defense. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Okay, so with the, uh, third overall pick, the Lions took Jeff Akuta and, uh, they also landed Julian, uh, Aquara. Did I do that right? Did I get his name right? Julian
1: Aquara,
0: yes. Julian Aquara, yes. I'm still working on the draft prospects. It's like, it's June, but, um, the, uh, and then they also felt, it feels like they did a whole lot of supplementation of their defensive roster through, uh, former Patriots players the last couple of all seasons, which is no surprise. Like we see this in uh, Tennessee. We see it in Houston. You see it anywhere Bill Belichick, former Bill Belichick disciples go. Uh, it shouldn't be shocking. W- what is the expectation for this defense in in 2020? That, I mean, is it because Matt, Patricia, That that's the tough part. If you're Bill Belichick's right-hand man for 10 years and you leave and your defense stinks, people are going to ask questions.
1: Yeah, this defense has to be better in 2020. It was uh not good in 2019. Uh, there were games where the defense really did drop the ball. And so uh, this defense has to step up in the 2020 season. And there were a lot of reasons for that in 2019. Some of it was injury related. There were a lot of injuries along this defensive line that we all thought was going to be so strong going into the 2019 season. Uh, but they never really got to play together through the preseason, through training camp, because someone was always injured. And even in the beginning of the season, it was a little shaky there as well. And so it took until a little bit later in the season for them to hit their stride because they had just dealt with so many injuries all along. Uh, and so, you know, that, that contributed to the struggles that the Lions had on defense, but we've got to see a better defensive effort, uh, this year in 2020. And they did add some pieces along the defensive line. I mean, you mentioned Julian O'Quara, brother of current line, Romeo O'Quara, yeah. Uh, you know, those two brothers will be big parts of this defense, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, you have, you bring in Nick Williams on the interior of The defensive line through free agency he comes from the Bears so you you have guys like that you also have Danny Shelton uh coming in from the Patriots like you said the Lions like to find players that they're familiar with and I will say that I think this offseason in particular it makes a lot of sense to do that um not because I'm not saying that this is why they brought those guys in because who could have predicted that we were going to be out for this long uh but these players already know Matt Patricia's system guys like Danny Shelton. Uh, you know, of course, Trey flowers from, from last year, uh, trading for Duran Harmon this year, guys like that know this system already. And so it's going to be a shorter learning curve for them to hop in and and be part of this team when you don't have any in-person practices to learn that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I also wonder too, like, so Matthew Fairburn t- uh, came on and talked about the bills and he pointed out that in the, in that, one of the bill's philosophy. And I sort of wonder if maybe Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia aren't learning this too, after uh, a, uh, how do I say a public uh, public, a very Twitter heavy uh, t- uh, trade discussions involving Darius Slay. Like, like if you bring in guys like Danny Shelton and Jamie Collins um, and you are, you mentioned Trey flowers and Daron and Harmon, like these guys not only know your system, but you know them and they know you. And so, uh-huh. I I would assume that maybe this is something they sort of wish they'd done a little bit earlier in terms of transitioning the locker room because you do as a new coach it has to be your locker room and if you don't have wins early on it's harder to convince everybody to buy in and, and maybe this is an attempt or or a, or a shift in philosophy in terms of making the locker room more fundamentally sound towards Matt Patricia maybe.
1: Sure. And, you know, you think of it in any workplace. There are certain bosses that certain personalities work better with and certain ones that work better with others. And so there is a certain cohesiveness that you need in an NFL locker room and and on an NFL team. And so I think that finding those players that you already know like your style of coaching, which is, quite frankly, very different than what they had in Jim Caldwell. Very different. Not Not that either are, you know, bad styles. They are just very different styles. And so finding players that, you know, work well and respond well to that type of coaching, I think, has also been part of bringing in players that, you know, as well.
0: You know, I mean, just to touch on the, the coaching stuff, too, like, I think it's hard for so Matt Patricia, like, I mean he's only been there two years. And again, like he came in, and there was already this expectation of somebody who was there before him, and X number of wins for a franchise that, frankly, I mean as you know very well, hasn't won a ton of games in, in the history of its you know history of the club, and certainly in recent years. And then also, like just part of being an ex Belichick disciple is that you just don't really seem to get a whole lot of wiggle room before people start asking questions. And I picture that thing with the media and and that maybe the the media member where it's like the the shirt tucked in or whatever it was. And like, that probably doesn't help matters. It just, does it feel like there's more pressure being put on him than maybe you would see from another coach who's a little more low key that didn't come from the Patriots uh, style and and brand?
1: Well, I think in my opinion, the pressure is more so because Jim Caldwell was fired because nine and seven wasn't good enough. Uh, That's fair. Jim Caldwell got them to the hump. They needed somebody to get them over it. And so Matt Patricia was supposed to be the person to get them over it. And they have not yet gotten over it. And so I think that the pressure comes from, okay, you said nine and seven wasn't good enough. And granted it does take some time to build a system to bring in guys that work and that, you know, can operate well under your system. But now we need to see you get over that hump because that's why we switched coaches was because we needed someone uh, to take us to that next level. Making the playoffs uh, wasn't good enough. We wanted to see you win playoff games and win the division. And and those are the things that this team and this franchise is looking for right now. Um, and they just haven't seemed to be able to find it quite yet.
0: Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue for what is a successful season for the Detroit Lions,
1: I think that, I think that obviously you need to have a winning season. There's no way you can have another season where you are not winning. Uh, but I think that ultimately one of the bigger goals at hand would be to win the division, and I think that that's a tall order. I think this NFC North is a really, divis- a really difficult division to win. Uh, but I think that that is, that goal is in their sights, that that is something that they want to do. They want to be able to come out on top of this division. And we've seen teams go from worst to first in this, uh, in this division before. Uh, we'll see if the Lions are able to pull it off this year, but I definitely think that Uh, that is a goal of theirs. Now, I'm not saying that it is an unsuccessful season if that doesn't happen, but I think that we need to see this team, uh, make it to the playoffs, uh, this season.
0: Okay. So, I mean, so it is, and I actually think that they're an interesting sleeper team to take to win the division because if you look around the, the NFC North, I think that every single team, like, I think I, I would say that the Lions probably tread, did a good job treading water. And I think that the rest of the teams in the division got appreciably worse. Or, 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 like, even if Nick Foles is an upgrade over, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, like, I don't think the Bears got appreciably better from what we've seen the last two years. I thought, uh, the Packers were one of the luckiest teams in football last year, and then they do the Jordan Love thing, don't, it just refuse to draft a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, and then, you know, the Vikings just lost a ton of people through natural attrition. I, so I, I mean, you don't want to put, you don't want to be like, well, it's the Lions division to lose. I mean, nothing silly like that, but it does feel like there's a window here.
1: Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I think the players and coaches would say the same. Um, You know, I think that it's been difficult for us as media to even think that far ahead yet because we're just kind of trying to cover everything that's unfolding so quickly in our current events. Uh, But I'm sure that the team and players have had those conversations about what their expectations are for this year. And if I had to guess, I would say that that's probably one of them is that they want to be able to win this division. So we'll see if they're able to pull it off, but I don't think it's impossible.
0: Alright, I like it. I, I, I have some, some potentially misguided optimism towards the Lions this year. But I agree, I don't think it's, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, Tori Patry at SportsTory on Twitter, uh, multimedia journalist for the Detroit Lions. Thank you so much for joining the Pick Six podcast. Uh, again, always a pleasure to talk to you, Tori.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love being on.